up, Misfits? Welcome to the Misfit Heroes Podcast. My name is Chris, and together we are going on a journey. Now, Misfits, have you ever needed a miracle? What do you think we need to do to see a miracle? For a long time, this podcast has been focused on being the change that you want to see in the world versus seeing the change that you want to see in the world. But sometimes we need a reminder of what God has done in our life. And my guest tonight literally wrote the book on miracles. Dr. Craig Thayer is the author of the new book, Saved, One Trauma Surgeon's True Accounts of the Miracles in His Life. This book is a compilation of God's grace and miracles in Craig's life that he cannot explain otherwise outside of God's work. From being orphaned at nine months old to struggling with dyslexia, completing medical school and hospital bed from bicycle accident, to becoming a surgeon saving lives in third world countries, even doing a Nike commercial with LeBron James. Craig has had some crazy life experiences, and he details them all in concise recollections of how God's grace brought him through adversity, pain, and struggle. If you've been looking for some sign of life out there, this episode is going to give you hope. Please welcome Dr. Craig Thayer. Playing the Misfit Heroes podcast. All right. Well, Craig, welcome to the podcast. I have read your book and I think it was very it was a very interesting read the way that you talk about miracles. And I think we we have a lot in common. I think I mentioned this a little earlier to you. You know, I often get pushbacks about how I see God and how I see miracles and sort of the smallest things and you kind of live that out a little bit. So I'm very excited to talk to you. Um welcome to the podcast. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. It's an honor to be here, Chris. Thanks. Yeah, no worries. Well, thank you for coming on to the show. You know, as I said, your book, Saved, it deals with miracles and things that have happened in your life, and you provide a lot of examples of that. Let's talk about miracles before we get started talking about your book and everything like that. Um, have you always been able to sort of see God's work in your life, or is that something that just sort of came to you over time? You really need to stop and look, and then you'll see. So no, I guess is the real answer. <laughs> They're probably there. Well, yeah. No, I'm sure they're there, but I just wasn't looking until I got older. So, and and it's kind of the nature of this book. I mean, um, it's exactly that. I can look back now at my life and see where these miracles were. And I, I can see them going forward. So they still occur. Going over the book, I mean, you just have all these crazy situations. I mean, you were, you were, I believe, orphaned as, as a child or you were adopted, I want to say around nine months or something like that. Yes. And- you just had a crazy set of circumstances happen in your life. So, you know, let's expand on that a little bit. Was there any particular instance that started making you realize like, Hey, God's got something's happening here. You know, what, what was, what was the start for you? Like, uh, I have since my grandmother. So she was the only adult that was there for my adult life. Mm-hmm. So graduation from high school, undergraduate, graduation, medical school, six-year residency program, starting my own practice. Uh, I would take her to about six to eight Sacramento Kings games a year. We'd eat dinner and then uh, go watch the game, and then I'd take her home. So she's like, you need to write this book about your life because it would be inspiring and motivational to a lot of people that have gone through this. And so, you know, I've I've always felt – so that was probably 15 years of her – say you need to do this but um and then it really became real because it was just again signs so i was at a 
Grant Cardone 10X leadership business thing, not Christian conference and hadn't, hadn't even begun the book. And so, uh, people at this conference were saying, you, you need, and I don't know why they said this. It's just, you need to be on that stage talking to people and uniting them. And so just, you know, uh, and then we're at a restaurant and, um, there was a guitarist playing blues and he came to our table to just chit chat and then invite us to a bar the next night. And at that, one of his friends was there who was writing a book and that's where the logistics of the book came out. So, um, you know, it was get hooked up with his editor who then hooked me up with an app called Rev REV that you could just dictate into the phone. And then you within five minutes have a transcript of what you just said. And you could put it in Word and modify it. So, yeah. So, really, my grandmother was the source. And really, the last miracle as well. So, yeah, I, get, I dedicated the book to her. She uh, she passed away on August 7th of 2021. And uh, through a glitch in moving from California to Georgia, I was able to be there with her and, and to the end. I was there for the last two weeks of her life living in her her house and um, the miracles she left behind, which make me smile because she had this clock that she just adored and it wouldn't work right. And so her and her girl Friday, her housekeeper who would drive around, took it to a clock shop and they said they couldn't fix it. And then Raina was her housekeeper told the owner, look, she's dying. And so he fixed it. And so it would chime, you know, one for one o'clock, although it was off. I think it was two for one, and then, and then at the half hour it would it would chime once. She died at ten thirty one, so she got to hear it chime that last chime. And I was cleaning her room, and I look at the clock, and it stopped at ten thirty one. Oh wow! Uh, and then in her guest bathroom, where I would shower and shave and do all those things, um, there was a stool next to the sink, and I looked down at the stool, and there's a book. It's got her reading glasses on it. It's got a bookmark. She clearly is going to come back and finish this book. Um, And the title of the book is Gone Missing. Uh. Is that coincidence or is that (laughs) intervention? Who knows? But those are the things to look for. You mentioned in the book, you know, very heavily that your grandmother was the inspiration for it and everything like that. And, you know, your book, it's sort of this list or uh, an explaining of all these difficult situations that God has brought you through. And, you know, just all these all, all these odd coincidences that have sort of happened. You know, your your grandmother told you to um, to share those experiences. But did you like journal them or or how did you keep track of all these things that went on in your life um i mean you know some of them are not fun um yeah what i call pain to purpose so uh but you live through adversity and you learn a lot of things so it's kind of god pruning you and it hurts but yeah i mean from i think it was just chronological for me so from you know a natural mother uh that my wife found not found, but found her obituary. She died before I could meet her. But finding my natural family, they're all all in Michigan, to her being engaged, pregnant, starting to show about six months in Michigan. She One of the mandatory things of the adoption was that I be raised Catholic because that's what she was. And so the mother who adopted me, well, is my mom. 
was born in Ireland, came over when she was 21, you know, a devout Catholic. So um, it, it's, that's, that's one of the first things. It's just, you know, if I were to give a testimony of my coming to Jesus, I would think of, well, you know, where I began being raised Catholic, but really it was before that because that, that my mom moved to California, Monterey, had me, held me for 10 days and then gave me up for adoption. And back then there weren't foster homes. It was just a, like an orphanage. So, yeah. So it really begins then. So then, then it goes to, you know, an experience with my mom and learning that she's alcoholic and going to my first AA meeting with her when I was 11. So kind of creating me as an empath, hearing people's testimonies about, you know, back, back then AA was very strong in Christianity. Now it's finding a high a higher power and then I twisted and tested my junior year and then really discovering my purpose in life I think my calling you know I, I, uh, my hands in, in healing was tutoring some blind students in geometry they can't see so how do you teach them what a circle is or parallel <laughs> lines or you know right so you had to think in their their shoes they can't see so they feel they they feel things with their fingers and so bring in a tennis ball for a sphere. And then I took an anatomy physiology class and that was it. The human body is amazing. I got to be, and I, cause I like to work with my hands surgeon, you know, so the book is really, I think easy to remember because of the chronology of things that made it a lot easier, mm-hmm. I think to remember. And then, but interestingly, when I would dictate it in, in rev, when you speak, you don't sound as good as when you write. And right. so I, I realized one, I, I need to, clean it up. And then the second is things that I left out. I think just sparking the memory brings on more of the memory. It's interesting how we, um, we tend to, I don't know if it's, it's, it's obviously not intentional, but I don't know if it's, it's, uh, if it's like our, our mind sort of trying to determine what information to keep about things in the past and things like that. Cause oftentimes the past can be difficult. Yeah. I think physiologically, I think our, our brain and our minds tend to um, only have a certain amount of space or it's like a, it's like a hard drive. You only got a certain yeah. amount of data yeah. to, to keep in there. Yeah. I, I call know? it the car lot theory. So you have a, once you fill the car lot with cars, you're going to have to move something off to move something on. Well, I want to take it back a second to what you were talking about a little bit earlier, the the idea of pain over purpose. Can you explain that a little bit? And do you think the pain is necessary with the purpose? <laughs> well, I use pain because, I mean, most of them are, you know, adverse conditions that weren't comfortable, right? So it's not necessarily physical pain. It's probably more emotional pain. than. But I think, you know, you can't minister unless you've been ministered to. Or you can't, but it, you're more effective if you, if or if you're really empathic like I am, you can put yourself in other people's shoes. And having gone through the death of my mom, the death of my dad, uh, the way they died, the death of my grandmother, um, a cracked skull sophomore year in college from a bicycle accident, spinal fluid coming out of my ear, and losing two weeks in a hospital bed of a ten week quarter, so you learn about yourself um, and, and you can use that. So I think that's the, you experience things that some would say is tragic, but you learn from them and you can apply them and you can actually help other people with that knowledge. Well, with that being said, you know, who do you think that this book is for? Like, is it, is, is it, 
do, do you need to have an understanding of Christianity to sort of understand all these things that are going on? Or no, that's that's yeah. The the purpose of this book is really, you know, we're lucky as Christians because we believe in Jesus and the resurrection and the eternal life and those things. But I mean, really, it's for those non-believers. The last chapter is all about hope, and um, but uh, yeah, so I think it's for really anybody looking for inspiration or motivation or hope or unity in the world, you know, we're all human. We all bleed the same. That's kind of one of my points at the beginning. I get artificially raised on a pedestal because I'm a doc and I can use that to my advantage, but, and, and I am more trusted because of it. Um, I think it was at my letter, somebody commented on some stat that physicians have the highest trust value, so to speak. So, um, yeah, so, um, anyway, that, uh, that people can read these things can realize, Hey, look, even doctors are human, you know, they go through horrible stuff, uh, or, or fun, fun things too. Um, so really it's anybody. So you mentioned that you are, you are a doctor, you're a surgeon, you know, how, how common is a, is a faith background in that field? I mean, do you deal with that a lot? And what sort of impact do you think that your relationship with Christ has had on your work? I mean, I, I remember sitting in recovery, the uh, recovery room, and a nurse came up and says, how can you have faith when you're a scientist? Because, I mean, we have to practice the ultimate evidence-based science. I mean, if this hasn't been researched, you know, then you don't do that, right? Whatever, whatever medication we use, you know, we've studied, we know it's, it's safe and it's efficacious, meaning it works, and but it has side effects and we need to be aware of those. So, um, yeah, uh, in my office, I go on medical mission trips. My wife would make a collage of photos from each trip and I'd hang them in the exam rooms or, and it would open doors. You know, if someone says, hey, you do these and you could tell them that they're Christian or they would, just by the way, they, they ask the question. So it would open a door for conversation about God. And I remember having a discussion with one patient, you know, and he was a Christian. He was like, well, you know, if God's, God's purposeful and basically, you know, things that happen in life, he, he allows. Um, that said, you know, if he, I, I said, okay, so let's just say I accidentally cut into your aorta and immense bleeding's happening. I could just sit there and lean back and go, okay, God wants this. <laughs> and no, not really. <laughs> I mean, because he gives us free will, right? So he knows what we're going to do before we do it. But then he's testing you to because he thinks you know what to do next to take care of that problem. So, but uh, yeah, it's an interesting conundrum. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, yeah, I, I <laughs> that's, I got kind of caught up on that joke yeah. you made. But I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's totally true. You know, uh, a lot of people, you know, with determinism, so to speak, that that people people think that you know, oh, this is this is all predetermined or, or whatever. But the free will aspect of it, I think, is one of my favorite parts of having a relationship with God. Um, you know, because he does know he does know what we're going to do, and you know, I'm not I'm not necessarily uh you know 100 percent about the test side of it. I think it's I think it's just. It's it's like if you're doing things for God's glory and seeing it as He's seeing it as it's it's playing right. out. Um, I think that's one of the the crazy benefits or upsides to 
the book. You've got all these stories in there about either hardships or just, um, you know, seeing all these things, all these events happening and then seeing the, the outcome of them. I think that's one of the blessings of Christianity is being able to look back and see where God has impacted your life and how God has impacted your life. I think oftentimes when those things are happening, you, you can't, you know, you can't describe them and you're like, man, why is all this happening to me? What's, what's going on? Like, it's just one thing after another. But in the end, when you look back, you see that he had your, he had his hand in your life at all times. I think that's one of my favorite parts about seeing all the things that were in your book was, was really fascinating to me. All these, how you tied it all together. Thank you. Yeah. I, I I always, one of my favorite verses is, uh, or chapters is Psalm 23. You know, I shall not want, and he's taking care of me, putting me by quiet waters, not a waterfall or beautiful stream, but quiet so I can think in the meadow. And then the pronoun changes to, I choose the shadow of the valley of death. So I'm an idiot. I'm going some, but then he's still right behind me with rod and staff, which is what shepherds use to guide their sheep on a steep hill. So it's comforting. That's the comforting thing that you, as a Christian, you just know he's there, you know, and he's he's there to protect you. And um, he's always there. Well, one of the things that I wanted to talk about, you know, one of my favorite stories from your book was this um, this story with you had a commercial deal um, with some basketball players, some professional basketball players as well. Can you like delve into that story? I don't want to give away everything out of your book, but I just thought it was kind of fascinating the way things played out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about how that came to pass? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a great question because I was going through a divorce at the time and separated from my kids like a one weekend a month because I'm a surgeon and didn't have a significant other. Um, I couldn't have them if I was on call. So I can't run off. I'd have to somehow get them over to my ex-wife. And so incredibly depressing. I got to see them at sporting events. And so I just began to question myself and like, okay, am I really a good athlete? I mean, I grew up playing water polo and swimming. So I got back into the pool and actually that was saving because I got to beat up on people and get the aggression out (laughs) (laughs) illegally. Um, So, uh, and then just, you know, people told me that I was attractive or whatever. And I'm like, so I looked for an agent and and investigated modeling. And um, one of the jobs that I got was I had to do a video uh, of wanting to be a part of a commercial for Nike with LeBron James. It was his very first commercial. He's 18. He didn't go to college. They got him right out of high school. $91 million Nike uh, uh, contract. And uh, it was a two-day shoot. I did a video kind of dissing Vladi Divac, who is Serbian. And Serbians are huge water polo players. And he had played. So I'm like, calling you out, man. I want you to come to the pool. Show me what you got. And I, I got the part. So I was uh, Coach Edelman, who I just got a, a text from my best friend yesterday that uh, Sacramento was honoring him. And the text was he sent the picture of the, the trophy that he was being given or plaque. He goes, hey, is that you? <laughs> so he looks a little older than me. So, yeah, I mean, it was just, you know, uh, reassuring that, you know, hey, I, I, I guess I am what I've been told. And um, 
But and the commercial was incredible. There was a point when uh, he would take a break, and I was because I'm Coach Edelman. I'm up against the score scoring table uh, by the bench, and he had a basketball and he whipped it around his back to me. I grabbed it, caught it, and whipped it back around to him. He's like, "Oh, you got some game." And then later on, he talked to me, and uh, I don't know. I just felt some something for me to say to him. I just said, "Hey, man, you're awesome." I, just this 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 world of pro sports will get into your head. Just don't let that do that. Keep keep a sound mind. And then when I wrote the book, my editor said, "Who is this guy?" Because she didn't know who, who he was. And I'm like, I look him up, you know. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what he's done since I've talked to him. And I mean, he's it's it's probably four three paragraphs of all his awards and. Uh, he's just an incredible player. Obviously, he's just just recently broken the highest point total of any player. So he just keeps setting records, and he's had a sound mind. Yeah. He's still married to his high school sweetheart. And I love that you were giving him advice. Hey, man, look, this is what you do. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, you know, he's eighteen, so he probably didn't think that who's this guy. And I yeah. had gray, hair, not as gray now, but uh, gray hair back then. So maybe I get a little little respect. You know, out of all these experiences that you documented. You know, what's been the one that stood out? Have there been any experience that you would think that you've had in your life that you can only attribute to God? There's there's one uh, story in the book. It's uh, a medical mission trip to Tela, Honduras. And there's a laparoscopic gallbladder surgery that I did that could not have happened without God. Um, you need a CO2 tank that has CO2 in it, and there was no CO2 in this tank. Uh, wasn't wasn't on the monitor. You need a, a 15 millimeter uh, of pressure inflation of the abdomen to do the procedure, um, and and it just uh, it just it stopped at 12, and I just prayed, and it went up to 15. the The instruments that we used were archaic, but useful. The normally I have a screen that's color. And it's 36 inches HD. This was 12 inches. Uh, the the suction device was uh, similar, but it was hooked to a shop vac that was incredibly loud. Oh so, you God. know, it's a third world country. The yeah. cautery was different. Uh, um, took an hour and a half to do. And at the end, I looked at the clock. And the clock wasn't working, but was stopped at 7 after 7 o'clock. So seven seven on the seventh day of the month. Is that a coincidence or what? And then the the local uh, circulating nurse went over to the tank and said, "You should have never been able to do this. This tank is empty, and we don't have another one." Oh my goodness! Yeah, and you know it'll inflate, and every time you have to use suction, it's going to pull more CO two out and deflate. So somehow, miraculously, that case happened. And I mean, more. there's more to the story even than that. So the scrub nurse, so I don't ask for people to necessarily accompany me on the trip. Always there are nurses or PAs or other medical people. But I didn't ask. I thought my friend who's an EMT could do the scrubbing in and stuff. But I realized that this case we're about to be tested, the, the circulating nurse who's Honduran that's watching what we're doing. And there's no way that Jason could set up a sterile field, know where all the, all the instruments go and help prep and drape the patient. 
we're going to go home. And I'm standing outside at the scrub sink and I'm looking at Leah and I said, what do you do? She goes, I'm a cardiothoracic scrub nurse. And I'm like, that's a miracle. I go, you know, I can't do this without you. <laughs> this case, we'd be going home. Right. She started to cry because she works with these kind of prima donna cardiothoracic guys that don't honor her, respect her, see her value. They can't do it without her. But she's never heard that. And she just broke down. And then we got it together and we went in and we did the case. Yeah, and I'm sure that made a tremendous impact on yeah. her life too. You know, I, I I've I've seen that situation play out, um, obviously not in surgery, but uh other other situations like that as where where, you know, you're thinking that the value is is on your side, but then when you when you offer someone else you know, how much value that they have provided to you, it, it dramatically changes right. their life too. You know, it's, it's kind of crazy how yeah, that works out. It is. Well, a good bit of your book, it focuses on overcoming adversity and you've been through a lot of struggles and there's a lot of positivity in the book as well. But, you know, what have been some of the most difficult things that God has helped you through? And, and after that, do you also, do you have any advice for anyone that may be going through adversity right now? You know, do you have any advice for them to sort of cope with that struggle a little bit? Yeah, totally. Um, uh, I'll just begin. There's always hope and just don't give up. So uh, like I, I said somewhat before, you know, my high school twisted intestine surgery, uh, it was at the very end of my junior year. Um, that was a challenge. I did get back and play water polo um, my senior year. So I was fine. No, no long-term problem. And then again, freshman year, my mom dying and my floor saying, you know, I'll mail floor, dorm floor. Yeah, he, he won't come back. And I did. And I finished. And then my sophomore year, bicycle accident coming back from bacteriology midterm or a uh, lab. And then girl pulls out in front of me, jackknife my wheel, go down, don't hit her, get up, make sure she's okay. Next thing I remember, I'm sitting there front of an ambulance, I have a lacerated ear, and then um, go to the health center, they stitch me up, send me home, and I realize I've got some kind of fluid coming out of my ear as I'm studying for my bacteriology midterm the next day. <laughs> so I call the health center, and it's some grad guy, he has no idea. Oh, I don't know, is that bad? i like, I don't know. I think so, but so we make an appointment after my midterm the next day, and an x-ray later, I've got a basal skull fracture, so and that spinal fluid coming out of my ear. So I'm in the hospital for two weeks. I've got organic chemistry, physics, biochem, bacteriology, labs for both. I'm like, this is 18 units. And everybody's going, he ain't going to finish. And if you get off series, you're not going to finish in four years. Uh, and then junior year, my dad's diagnosed with lung cancer. He dies between junior and senior year. Again, people were saying, you won't come back. So... I think it's don't give up. There's hope. And look what happens. And that, that kind of finished with a funny story. So I think I applied to about 20 medical schools. I got 19 thin letters, which means that you're not accepted. Right. I get another one. And it's from UC Davis. And it says, congratulations, you've not been accepted. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm not, 
So you're on a wait list. So for the summer, I sat there waiting for a phone call. And uh, one day I was waiting for a phone call from my roommate to pick him up from his class. And so I answered the phone, Craig's Taxi Service, and it was, oh, yes, this is Jane from UC Davis's Medical School. Is Craig there? There. And I'm like, uh, oh, yeah, let me get him just a second. Same voice. <laughs> <laughs> I come back. Yeah, you're in. So, uh, you know, just kidding in. I was waitlisted. So. That's amazing that you were studying for all that with a with with a skull fracture and you're studying bacteriology or, or like right how, how difficult was that man <laughs> like it's hard I mean because you're thinking you know stuff's gonna creep up that ear ear canal into my head I don't want that <laughs> so I've got a, a a picture in the book of my dad who came and visited me so and I've got this white patch over my ear. And like a Fu Manchu mustache, <laughs> triangles. Well, that, I mean that's 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 insane. I mean, I don't know. I don't know that I could do that. You know. I mean, I'm. I mean, uh, the thing is, I, I think I think what you said about not giving up and that there's always hope and things like that. I think that has to be so difficult to actually believe that. You know, in in the right. moment. But you, like you said, look look what's look what's happened. I mean, you're, yeah. You're, I think I think I was. I'll just say I was lucky. Now I'll say blessed, but. Um, I, I knew my, my gifts, my hands, healing people, an empath and teaching. And so taking those gifts and then if you can move that to a passion, which I had, and, and it was clear because once I've lost my parents in med school, there, I don't know, there's probably 8% of the students there were there for the wrong reason. Their parents expected them to, or, well, my parents are gone. I don't have to live up to their expectation and my my mom knew kind of what I wanted to do so my dad definitely knew what I wanted to do and he kept every time I'd offer to come home and help he's like nope stay you got a bigger purpose so yeah uh this reminded me of another miracle with him like my junior year I was in an off-campus storm with uh, four other guys and there was a phone jack that back in the day when you had to pay for long distance calls uh, would work. And I'd talk to him for an hour or two each night and I never got a bill from the, the dorm room we were in and I went to the office and I never got a bill for these calls. So somehow for the whole year, I got to, or half a year as he was diagnosed halfway through, um, got to talk to him every night for free. Oh, wow. Yeah. I remember those days, kids these days, they have, they have no idea. Yeah. No, you put a rotary phone in front of them, they, they won't know how to dial it. Right. <laughs> yeah, we've got we've just got this device that can access the internet at any single time. And then on top of that, we have the gall to complain about how slow it is. It's like it's connecting yeah. to towers and like all yeah. around the world, you know. Yeah. But yeah. it's it's that's that's funny. Yeah, I remember those days when it, it was even um I went to college in the early early two thousands and um it was the same thing. Like you didn't. You went away to college, and then you didn't call your parents. Like there was no talking yeah. to parents unless right. you know. It was like yeah. I'll see. I'll see you in four months when the yeah. semester. I need. Over. I need money. That's when you yeah. call. <laughs> yeah. Send help. <laughs> yeah. I'm captive. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I I really I, I'm I'm very impressed by the way that you've put all these stories together and sort of brought them out. Um, in this, in this one sort of, uh, long form, uh, 
long form group of testimonies in your book. You know, one of the things I was interested finding out about you, you know, you mentioned that you've, um, you've struggled, I want to say for like 55 years with dyslexia, um, writing a book, you've got all these editors giving you notes and all this stuff. I mean, how was, how was having that dyslexia? How, how did that affect writing your book and what was your process like a little bit for doing that? Yeah. So that's, that's where the editor really helped me. So it was this app called Rev and, um, you just basically on your iPhone or, uh, any phone, smartphone, uh, you just talk into it and then you've got a paper version on it that you can load on Word and then convert. And my editor would just clarify things. She wouldn't add any text to it, but, um, yeah, like LeBron James, you know, who is he and adding that whole research page of what all his accomplishments have been personally and athletically. But, uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm, it took me a year and a half to write the book and it, it's just, it's a, a slow reader. I've always known that. Um, first, second grade, the subjective part of my report card would be Craig needs to read more. <laughs> Third grade was it, it, that story's in the book, dark room prompter, you know, on the screen, uh, other kids are reading the words at like 100, 200 words per minute or something. And, I get up there and I'm fumbling and reading backwards and next week I'm in the other third grade class. So, uh, and taking tests now, I mean, every, I have to take tests every year for continuing medical education and it's, it's very anxious. I look at the time, divide the minutes by the number of questions and I keep pace. So, uh, but it's totally distracting when you're doing that. Um, and then, like I said, the, the the harder part really was uh, I just finished the audible of the book. So I Facebooked a survey. Should I do one? Everybody was yes. And then I squeaked out the question, should I do it? Because people like my voice and I'm like 99%. One, one high school friend of mine said, no, <laughs> give it to Coyote. He can do a better job. And hey, yeah, he can. But everybody said it's more personal if I do it. So so I did, and that was that was humbling challenge. I, my analogy is like if I had polio and a shrunken right leg, if I'm just walking around every day, I'm fine. I don't. There's no no challenge in my life. But if someone asked me to run, then that's a challenge. If I've got that shrunken leg, for me, everyday life it just takes me longer to read, but I can get through it. It's just, just you know, it's not a struggle, but it's. It, I, there are times when I feel like it's a waste of time. So most of the stuff I'll listen to on Audible. But uh, yeah, but if you ask me to have to read <laughs> into a <laughs> microphone that's going to be recorded, that's running with a shrunken leg. Yeah, <laughs> I could see where that would be a little bit off-putting, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I'm glad I'm glad that you did that yourself. So, oh, is the ebook out yet or is that coming up soon? Or? I just finished the last six uh, clips that needed to be edited. So I should be getting it uh, next week, I think. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you do have a very calming voice. I will give you that. <laughs> That's what I've heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, for patients, I'll say that. Yeah. This, and I was on call and there was a post-C-section that got into some bleeding. And it turns out to be it was a friend of my oldest daughter's. They played volleyball together. Didn't know that until I'm in the room. And just the voice of my helping. Uh, I didn't have to do much. The OBGYNs were fine, but I could get in there if I had to. 
Um, but just hanging blood, helping anesthesia do stuff behind the, the drapes and, and just talking to, to her because she was under her spinal. So she's wide awake. I don't yeah. notice it because it's, you know, it's just a vibration. It's sometimes I'll get it. Like I think I was at a Banana Republic looking for a shirt and someone came over to help me and I said, oh yeah, I'm looking and they jumped. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, that's right. I forgot my voice. So I want to step away from the book for a second, just a little bit, you know, and I, I'd love to have a conversation with you about miracles in general, because I think with, with, I mean, you literally wrote the book on them. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you know, one of the things, you know, we, it seems now in modern America, at least we kind of live in this state of emotional and information overload, it seems like. And I was reading Romans 15 the other day. And it talks about signs and wonders and mighty works. You know, do you think with the modern day lifestyle that we have right now in America, and you've got social media and constant news articles and stuff like that, do you think that miracles can go overlooked a little bit? Yeah, I I totally agree with you. I think our brains are so occupied. And unfortunately, I think a lot of social media uh, or media as well is kind of fear-based. Yeah. Which then, you know, gets you off kilter and then questioning. But if you have a bigger power, if you know the battle's bigger than you, then you kind of have to rely on God, right? So yeah. when we look at the story of Gideon or the story of Jonathan, Saul's son, with one sword and, a, and an armor bearer going to fight a whole army. Uh, and God steps in, or Gideon, who, you know, I mean, I think three times, you know, he's a mighty warrior hiding in a wheat thrashing barrel with his grapes. And because uh, every year they come and steal his food from the town and no, he never does anything about it. So, and now he's, now he's going to. So uh, like I said, when the battle's bigger than you, you got to turn to something. And for me, it's God. Yeah. But uh, I think we just get so busy. You know, my wife, is, I'm just looking at her, uh, her nightstand, she's got six books on there. I'm like, you just, you're occupying your brain instead of just stopping and looking, right? Yeah. I, I do this on a backpack trip. You can, or if you hike, you know, you're just worried about where you put your next foot. So you're always looking down. How often do you stop and look at the nature around you or the miracles for that matter? And so, and I think the way to find those are um, just look at the times you've used the word coincidence, lucky, luck impossible, rare, uh, and then go, okay, let's put God in those. Let's just put the word God in that and see how that pans out. When you think about like biblical miracles, right? You know, I'm thinking of like the parting of the seas or or walking through the desert for 40 days and nights. Like, you know, what do you think with that being said, what we were just talking about, what do you think a modern miracle may look like? All right. Uh, I'll give you one. So, uh, I'm in Honduras uh, on a medical mission trip. And, um, I need one of my buddies to set up an area in a schoolyard that's dirt, uh, with classroom doors that open up into the, to the schoolyard, uh, and a gate to get into it. Uh, I need an area to examine people. And so he finds this plastic wrap that you use to keep the weeds growing up on landscaping and winds that around a couple of poles and a three-legged table. 
And I forgot to tell him that I need these Ziploc bags from our pharmacy team that have a rising sun, a sun in the middle of the day, and then a sun setting. So it's a way of telling them when to take their medication for, for pain after I've operated on them. Right. And I forgot. I said, I need these. And I forgot. And I'm in this black uh, plastic room that he's created that's outside. And I'm starting to get a little anxious because I can hear I'm gonna, about to see 80 to 100 people in a half a day to then make the list for four cases that day and then 40 more to 44 more the next four days. We'll do 48 surgeries in four and a half days. Oh my gosh. And um, my, I can feel my blood pressure rising and I look over at this brick windowsill and there's a roll of these bags with a rubber band around them. I huh. never told anybody about it. Only God could have put those there. Mm. Yeah. And we, we see those things. There's there's light on the uh, there's a story in the book about light. Um, but those things happen, you know, today. I mean, like something bad happens and God provides. You know, we move, there's a glitch, I'm not working right away, money's an issue, but my grandmother died. She left me some money. It covers it. So yeah, I mean, you could say those are coincidences or, or miracles. But I mean, like I said, if you change those words and you see it enough, you're going to go, yeah, okay, God's, God's here. He's doing stuff. He's taking care of me. If you don't look for that, then you're not going to see him. Well, that's, that's a beautiful thought, you know. Um, I, 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 think, I think that that fits, that fits perfectly. Um, and I think, you know, people can often overlook stuff like that and, and just – or brush it off and say, Oh, you know, that was, that was just, uh, some Marvel of engineering, or that was, that was just some janitor left those bags there or something like that. But when, when you, when you start to pay attention to these things, um, you know, it can, it can definitely change your entire mindset and your entire thought process, um, about, about how things play out. That's, that's, that's fascinating to me. I think, I think it's, I think it's a really even, I mean, I'm a Christian outside of my faith. I just find it very interesting to sort of map these coincidences that in the, in the way that you've done it. I think it's, I think it's very interesting yeah. to me. That, that brief second pause at a stoplight that saved you as some car went flying through a red light or yeah. you pull out of your driveway and about two minutes down the road, some voice in your head is, Oh, I forgot something at the house. You turn around, go back and get it. You know, those are, those are minis. I've got a funny story. My my best friend growing up in high school, um, his dad worked at the Pentagon, and on nine eleven, um, he he was going into work, and he when he was waking up, he spilled his coffee on his shirt. Right, and when uh, you know this is nine eleven again, we didn't have cell phones and stuff like that back in the day. Right. So um, I, I get woken up in college. Uh, my friend freaking out, calling me, "Hey man, my dad, you know, I, I don't know what to do. My dad's." Uh, going to this thing or whatever turns out um, after everything's calmed down a little bit, we're able to make calls and everybody checks in with everybody and things like that. His dad was on the ramp at the Pentagon when, wow. when the plane went in yeah. all because he spilled his coffee and had to go right. back and change his shirt. I yeah. mean, things like that are just mind boggling. Yeah. yeah, they are. They are. You've brought and compiled all these stories together in your book. You know, if if someone is looking for evidence of God's work in their life, maybe they don't have that relationship. Maybe they maybe maybe they don't, you know, 
see these things and they're trying to. Do you have any advice or like any type of mindset change that you think uh, somebody that you could offer to them? Like what any type of thought about how somebody could start paying attention to these things? Yeah, I think, you know, the beginning is just the mindset of it's possible. And then the second is, again, looking at things in their in your life that were a coincidence, lucky. Uh, another way, and, and you know, not a. I think it's it's oh, in the upper nineties. I think of people that pray, and that's not how many Christians are, right? So, so other people without faith or with a different faith uh, pray. Um, one of the things I I love to do is write prayers down and put them in a box, kind of like a time capsule. And six months, a year down the road, go back and look at those. And you know what? You're going to find they've been answered, not necessarily the way you thought or the way you wanted, but it was answered. Yeah. I mean, this has been this has been a lot of fun, Craig. And yes, yes. Um, I, I really enjoy the concept of your book. I, I enjoy talking about um, instances in people's life like this. I think your book is um, – it's, it's a great sort of, like I said, compilation of just – a series of events and sometimes the the explanation for these things it, it, the way you the way you lay them out is is really fascinating to me so i really enjoyed reading your book Thank and you. misfits the book is down in the show notes below i'll make a link to everybody so you can go buy it check it out yourself and you said the audiobook is coming out too soon yes yeah <clears throat> i'll do a uh, press release and then i have a webpage web website that it'll be announced on as well and I also do some reels on Facebook and Instagram. So I'll try and get that out to people that uh, it's coming and when. And it should be on all the all the Audible platforms. Well, I'm looking forward to that as well. You know, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and talk with me. This is this has been really a, a fascinating talk. And like I said, I, I, I really uh I really I really liked the concept of your book as well. I, I like reading about things like that. So it was yeah. very it was very interesting to Thank me. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, you know, we're winding down towards the end of the episode. At the end of every episode, I ask all of my guests the same question. It's one question in two parts. And that is, what was the last goal that you completed? And what's the next goal that you want to set for yourself? The recent goal, I think, is, is uh, yeah, it's the book. It's the Audible. Yeah, just getting that done. I think I did 10 recordings, you know, which is more than most. I think one day, the guy who was doing doing it with me, uh, Chip, great guy. Um, he's like, okay, I think we can knock out these two chapters. And he's like, I think I got through one. <laughs> so I, it's, <laughs> I had to be, it wasn't more, he said he just did something with um, Evander Holyfield. Oh, and he's okay. been hit in the head so many times that he's almost not. <laughs> he goes, that was worse. <laughs> I go, and good. Bit, and I'm bit. not the worst of all time. That's great. <laughs> And then I think future goal is, um, you know, uh, getting on stage to use my gifts, which is hands, healing, empathy, and, and teaching, and um, unite people. You know, we're all human. We all bleed the same. Uh, this world needs to be better to each other, kindness, uh, and give people hope. 
uh, through my stories, basically storytelling and teaching through stories. Well, I definitely think that the stories that you have can definitely provide people some hope. And I hope that people go take a look at your book and listen. And it's a good read. It's very interesting to uh, to hear what you have to say. So I appreciate you coming on the show. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. And if people can, uh, if people want to check you out, you know, later on down the road, where can they find you online? You said you have a website. Yeah, I think this, I believe in s- simplicity. So it's craigthayer.net. So C-R-A-I-G-T-H-T is Tom, H-A-Y-E-R.net. Uh, and you'll find links to the Amazon for both the book and the Audible when it gets there, and then everything else that I'm doing. So, well, Misfits, we will put all that information down in the show notes below, and we will make sure definitely go take a look at this book. Um, I read it, and it's a pretty easy read too. So, um, thanks again for coming on the podcast. I really enjoyed talking to you, Doctor Thayer, and um, you have a great afternoon. Okay. Hey, you too. It's been an honor, sir. Thank you. <laughs>